Welcome back to One More Thing. How's it going, everybody? It's ski week here in Novato Unified School District, which means I'm off for a week. Luckily for me, Montessori, where my son goes to preschool, still has three days of school. Don't ask me why. And so me and my wife have decided to take three days in the middle of the week to kind of take off of being a parent. Well, not necessarily off of being a parent, just not full days of being a parent, just being a parent at night and having some days to grade and hang out and have a cup of coffee and record an episode of One More Thing. And I know that this is episode number 14 because I looked up my last one and it was in December and it was the 13th. So this is 14. You're welcome. Thank you. I actually looked that up for you so you don't have to. If you want to go back, you can. Uh, If you're here still, thank you. Thank you for listening. I decided that after a week of teaching philosophy last week, where we're going over Kierkegaard and Nietzsche and Freud, some of my favorite subjects, which I'm sure I've talked about before on different podcasts, maybe over the past year, I finally came to the conclusion that I should probably take some of my own advice. Some of the things that I talk about when talking about existentialism is the idea that while some of these guys, if you go really far down the existential path, can be somewhat dangerous and inherently because you can feel a bit isolated, one of the things that you do find and that I think is positive in in their thoughts is something that Kierkegaard kind of draws out when he's talking about his public or what Nietzsche calls the herd. And that's that when we are at our best, we are an individual. And when we are at our worst and are at our most moldable, we are just part of the crowd, part of the public, part of this entity outside of ourselves where we actually lose ourselves to the rest of the world. And I think that that can be inherently dangerous. But in my own life, I have to think, when am I at my best? When am I my best self? And I think it's probably when I'm a parent, but also when I'm doing things that express what I'm capable of rather than just simply trying to blend in and be part of the crowd and go from day to day to day. So I figured, you know what, I'll take some of my own advice. Maybe I'll throw some podcasts back out there into the world and see if anyone's still listening. So where we left off. The last time I podcasted, it was so long ago that the Warriors had not experienced Boogie Cousins yet. So here you go. With Boogie Cousins, the Warriors are not losing in the finals. They're not losing in the playoffs. They, they might lose a couple games. But that team, when they're right and they're all healthy and they're together, assuming that that is the case when playoffs show up, cannot be beaten. Now, they could beat themselves. I could see that happening. But when they're all together with a purpose, I don't think anyone's beating them. And it's pretty cool to watch. Now, it's obvious that Boogie's not quite up to speed athletically, or not athletically. He's not in shape yet. But other than that, I think that team's going to be pretty unbeatable. Kevin Durant just decided to go off and win an all-star MVP. So maybe it's Clay's turn or Steph's turn or... Maybe even Boogie. Wouldn't that be cool to see someone else win uh, the championship MVP? But anyway, the thing that I was watching this morning that I thought was kind of interesting was Joel Embiid, who's the giant center for the Sixers, who decides to play guard sometimes and throw up a couple threes himself. He, I guess, said that Michael Jordan is not the GOAT, but rather that Wilt Chamberlain is the GOAT. Now, I got something that I think is impossible, first of all, as Shaq has said multiple times on TNT, and if you ever watch TNT before a basketball game, Shaq always talks about how big men are the best, and when, and then Kenny Smith decides that he's going to interject, no, but what about Michael? And what about? 
And Shaq always says he's not a big man. And I think that that is probably the only thing that you can say in regards to basketball players. I don't think that you can actually say this big man is comparable to this little guy, right? The, the guard. And I know that probably in one of my first podcasts, I, I ranked my top five basketball players. Michael Jordan is the best basketball player I've ever seen in my lifetime. I realize Wilt Chamberlain was incredible. I realize he was dominant for his day. But the problem for me, and this is why I don't like doing this personally, is if you take Wilt out of his time period and put him today with all these other giants that are in the NBA, he's not as good. Is he good? Yes. Is he still dominant? Probably. Is he Wilt Chamberlain? Probably not. I mean, look at Anthony Davis, who's seven foot one, has the wingspan probably of seven six or something like that. Ridiculous length. And yes, he is a dominant force in the NBA, but he's not the best player in the NBA. And I don't think Wilt Chamberlain has the abilities, the skills that Anthony Davis has. So I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's really difficult to, to judge someone outside of their time period. But again, and I will say this for the last time on this podcast, you cannot say that any basketball player changed the game more than Michael Jordan did when he was in basketball as far as making it almost a uh, social change as well as his ability to eventually get into the front office and then become part of it like those are groundbreaking achievements and yes obviously guys like Will Chamberlain and others went before him that also had groundbreaking achievements you know your Bill Russells and whatnot but as far as one person with a career and a post career that was influential more than Michael Jordan there isn't one anyway Sorry for the rant. I'll move on. I found out the most annoying thing in a house as a, as a homeowner are ants, especially when it rains. I've been dreaming about ants because the problem is when it rains, especially where we live, the ants decide that they want to find a way into the house and it becomes a nightmare. I am facing a full out home invasion and I'm I'm winning. It's a it's a struggle. It's a fight. But I came downstairs this morning and there was not one ant in sight. And I'm going to knock on wood a little bit because I'm really, really worried that they're coming back because it started to sprinkle a little bit earlier today. But we've got the home guarded. We've got traps all over the place. They're starting to partake and remove themselves from the house. I'm feeling better about things. I'll tell you what, if you ever have an ant home invasion, uh, let me know. I'll help you out. We'll get rid of those ants together. Sounds like a plan. I gotta have some coffee. I just saw a commercial for the Oscars, and I've been watching quite a few documentaries lately. By the way, I finally saw the documentary that won Best Documentary last year, Icarus. It is a must-watch, absolutely, you have to see it. It's on Netflix right now, if you have Netflix, which probably 90% of everyone has now. I don't know. That's just a number I've thrown out there. It's probably not right. Icarus is excellent. You know, it goes through the, um, basically using and utilizing drugs uh, to enhance performance, uh, specifically steroids, and um, in cycling first. And then it turns into such a bigger story than that as the thing goes on. Uh, this, this guy who I can't remember his name, he decided that he was going to try doping so that he could uh, get his body to a place where he could compete um, with some of the best cyclists in the world. And I guess he was a, um, you know, a decent cycler, but not anyone that was in the, at the real top of his game or anything like that. He was just kind of average. 
um, and he didn't have the capacity to do it. And then once he started doping, he started to see some of an increase, but he, he kind of plateaued at, at, at one point. Partway through the movie, it shifts from a documentary about someone doping to figure out if this is a good thing to, or, or something that's capable of really making someone a dominant athlete. And it turns into a story that is so much more than that about the Russian doping scandal, specifically in the Olympics, how they wanted to be dominant in Sochi, which they were. Um, and they were, you know, switching vials to make sure that their athletes could dope through the entire Olympic process. Um, and it's all funneled through the KGB, who has a new name. Uh, and that, you know, they're helping to create these dirty samples or get rid of the dirty samples, bring in new samples of, uh, fresh pee and all this. It's, it's so intricate and interesting because the guy who's doing the doping, he has to get set up with someone who can help him mask testing. And it just so happens that the guy he gets set up with is like the Russian doping czar who is, you know, at the very top of this thing, he has to flee Putin and is now currently in uh, protective custody in the United States. It's one of the coolest documentaries that I've ever seen, and I definitely recommend it. So they, the Oscars got it absolutely right when it came to Icarus as far as a documentary that should have won last year, and it did. Now, last podcast, I talked about Free Solo, who, which I still think to this day is the best documentary I've seen in a really long time. It is, in my opinion, better than uh, Icarus, because of what it does for me personally as an athlete, and the, the fact that it resonates so much with my athletic spirit. Because I think you know, once you you get to a certain level of competition, you st- you kind of um, feel like that's what you want to do all the time in your life, and you always want to achieve at a certain level. It might not be athletics anymore, but you know, it might be in your your school or your work or wherever it might be. Um, you know, if you're inherently competitive, there's certain ways that you can con- continue to exercise that in a positive manner. And so seeing that movie, I still, when he's finishing getting up the side of that wall, after all the work he's gone through, it still gets me to the point where, you know, I get a little choked up when I see it, just because I know what that fight is like. Now, obviously, I'm not free soloing uh, El Cap, and no, my body is not built for it. His body, I mean, the guy looks like he should be, you know, all the time on a wall or something like that. He's definitely a different body type. But um, it, it's one of those movies that definitely influences me f- for a while. I, I watched it the other day, and I watched it. Um, I, I probably watched it twice in the last week, um, just because it's still really good. But uh, looking at the Oscars, I'm trying to figure out these movies that they're um, that are on there because you know the the this weekend they're going to decide who's best at all these different categories, and uh, I'll give you a little bit of my opinion before and now i haven't seen every single one of the best picture um candidates i've seen black panther problem was i saw it on an airplane so i feel like i'm jaded because i wasn't really in the mood and i didn't love it so that that's not um a knock on the movie necessarily but it's probably a knock on the fact that i was on a 10-hour flight i saw black klansman it was okay um i saw bohemian rhapsody it was okay I saw the. F- I did not see the favorite. I thought about seeing the favorite. It didn't appeal to me. And now that it's been nominated, I've considered going and seeing it. I don't think I will. Um, I've seen Green Book. I thought it was great. I'm surprised it's in the Best Picture um, 
category just because it's it's good, but it's very simple. It's uh, and I hate to say it this way, but it's kind of like a reverse Driving Miss Daisy, and it's a little uh, I think formulaic, but it's definitely you know watchable, and the the acting is good. Um, I haven't seen Roma. I know it's on Netflix. Eh, I don't. I'm not. I maybe. And then uh, Star is Born was excellent, which is probably what I would pick if I were picking. And I haven't seen Vice, even though I know I'm a history person and probably should have seen it. The problem is I know a lot about the situation, and so I am not as interested in seeing a biopic. But uh, people that have seen it have said that it's excellent. So, And I like Christian Bale, so I'll probably see it at some point. Um Lead actor, I think Bradley Cooper should win personally, but I could definitely see them giving Rami Malek, the guy who does Bohemian Rhapsody, he was uh, very good um, in in that. And Viggo Mortensen was okay. I, I think it's between Cooper, Bale, and um, Malek personally. And then lead actress, I've, <laughs> I think Lady Gaga should win just because the only problem with that, and I was talking to one of my buddies the other day, and we were saying, you know, what is good acting? Is it someone that is out, taking, you know, outside of themselves? So, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know that Lady Gaga is essentially playing herself in the movie. So it's really hard to be like, wow, she's doing great acting. Or is it great that you're like, this is perfect? It, you know, the, I, th- I think as a casting director, isn't that what you're supposed to find? Are the people that are going to be the best in the situation because they're good for that role. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little conflicted um, personally, but she was excellent. And then supporting actor, I couldn't tell you, although Adam Driver in Black's Klansman was excellent. And uh, Marshala Ali in Green Book was also excellent. And I'm actually surprised he isn't a lead actor. And he's, he's the supporting actor. He's the um, one that Viggo Mortensen's driving around through the movie. So the movie's like centered around him, but Viggo Mortensen got the lead. I don't know. A little weird on that one. And then supporting actress, you got Amy Adams for Vice, um, which she's been getting quite a bit of uh, press for. And then you got Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz for The Favorite, who are both apparently supporting actresses. Um, and Olivia Coleman is the lead actor in that. So I, I couldn't tell you, I haven't seen any of those movies. The director one, I don't know how they left out Bradley Cooper for uh, A Star is Born. I thought he was excellent, and it's kind of sad because that movie was really well done and really well put together. So, um, yeah, Spike Lee, you figure he's going to get in. I haven't seen Cold War. I haven't seen The Favorite. I haven't seen Roma, and I haven't seen Vice. So I can't tell you that these people do or do not deserve it, but there you go. Uh, animated features. This is the sad thing for me. I have kids. I've seen two of these movies and that's unfortunate because usually, um, when you see animated features, you'd think, oh, the kid, you know, but I I don't know many people that were really that interested in the Isle of Dogs unless you're a real big fan of Wes Anderson, which you kind of have to be in a weird mood for him. So I'm not sure, uh, on that one, why it's there. Um, Ralph Breaks the Internet was okay. Incredibles 2 was pretty good. I've heard Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse was excellent, but I haven't seen it. Um, haven't seen the shorts. Adapted screenplay. I don't know. Does anyone care? Screenplay. Does anyone care? Cinematography. I actually do care. Um, Star is Born was fine. I have 
I haven't seen these other ones, so I can't tell you what they, that one should be. And then the, the best documentary, and this is what I was coming to, and it took me, I don't know, what, five minutes to get here. Um, you have Free Solo, which obviously I've talked a lot about. Hale County This Morning, This Evening, which I don't have not seen. Mining the Gap, which I have not seen. Um, of Fathers and Sons, which I have not seen. And RBG, which I have seen, and it is excellent. The two documentaries that are not on there that are kind of sad for me is the one um, about the one who does, uh, um, what is it, Oscar Gracia, is that even Sesame Street? The guy who came on before Sesame Street, um, Mr. Rogers. So the one on Mr. Rogers is apparently, and I haven't seen it, I still want to see it and I still will see it, but everyone that I've talked to has said that that movie is excellent. Um, and the other one is Three Identical Strangers. How that movie never got nominated for an Oscar is beyond me. That movie is incredible. Um, Three Identical Strangers goes through all of these like psychological things. You got the the fact that these guys, first of all, their story is so amazing. Um, the, the documentary itself obviously kind of leaves you with more questions than answers by the end of it. But for a documentary, now I, again... I don't want to judge the movies that are on here that I haven't seen because I haven't seen Mind of the Gap, haven't seen Hale County, and haven't seen A Fathers and Sons. So they may be absolutely excellent. But if you have a best documentary feature, which for the best film, they have eight nominations. For best documentary feature, where you have movies like the one about Mr. Rogers and you have the one about Three Identical Strangers, which are excellent documentaries that absolutely should get nominated, why do they have to only have five in there? Why can't they either add a couple of movies or just decide, you know what, if we're going to have eight best film, best picture nominees, then have eight documentaries or, you know, at least six so that you're not um, taking out ones that, or, or just adjust each year. Why do you have to have a certain number? I mean, I realize they're probably on some kind of time schedule, right? But is anyone going to watch the Oscars or the Academy Awards? I mean, who watches those anymore? Is it just like, I'll tape it and then kind of fast forward through it and see? Or is it, uh, I actually am waiting to see it. I remember I used to wait to see it because obviously, and after probably hearing this, you're probably thinking, my God, you see a lot of movies. And yeah, we do. But, um, you know, in college, I had this giant, just massive collection of DVDs and Blu-rays that people would come and like check out for me at college because I just would collect them. I'd go to Blockbuster when they were going out of business and I would just buy things off the $2 rack. Um, and I ended up with just a bunch of movies. So I, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. And on that note, um, last night, my wife got me to go out and go to a, a trivia night, which was really fun. Me, uh, my wife, and one of our friends, Danny, went and did trivia, trivia at Hotmart. And uh, we're probably going to do it again on Tuesday. But we're enjoying the fact that it gave us an opportunity to kind of get out of the house, have some fun, um, have a couple drinks and be able to just enjoy uh, thinking about things that we just don't normally think about and then just kind of talking in between and we ran into some people we knew and um, it it was just a nice opportunity to enjoy ourselves and uh, what I actually found through doing trivia is that I really like that kind of stuff. I really like Jeopardy. I really like trivia. I really like doing that stuff and um, they had a they had a sheet of movies and TV shows where it was all the different presidents, and I think there were nine of them on there, and I think we had eight of them that we got correct. 
but it just reminded me of how many different movies I've seen. And there were a couple of questions in the trivia that I didn't know the answer, but I knew the answer because of movies that I've seen where, you know, the, um, oh, the white flags out or the, you know, you, you kind of hear something in the movie in your head going, oh, yeah, 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 I probably know a little bit about that. That would make sense in this situation. So anyway, trivia was a good time. We'll probably be able to get, go out and do that again. And, you know, if there's any takeaways from this, um, the biggest takeaway for me is that I, I'm going to start trying to do this more often because I know I enjoy it when I do it. I enjoy it when I finish it. And if anyone's still listening to me, um, thank you for being here. And I hope you enjoyed one more thing. Episode 14. I'm out.